Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Reverend Brian, and I am the Right Wing Reverend. Well, today's program will be part three and the conclusion of a series we started called Condition of the Church. And what we're going to do is this week we're going to make maybe some suggestions for church leaders as to how we can possibly fix some of the things we talked about in the first two episodes. Well, before we go there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome, awesome God. I want to give you thanks and praise and glory for everything. Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken today would be blessed and that the people that hear them are the right people in the church, that the right actions could be taken so that your churches in the United States and around the world can become the house of prayer and worship that you intended them to be and not the social clubs and reflection of society that they have become. Lord, we pray this and do this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, so for the last couple of episodes in Condition of the Church, the first one we talked about my buddy, Pastor Bob, and him looking for the perfect church, which he really wasn't looking for the perfect church. He was looking for a church that was going to teach God's word the way God intended it to be taught. Now, in today's world, that might be called the perfect church. In God's time, that was just called the church. My, 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 how times change. Then in the second episode, we talked about real-life issues that real-life churches have. Uh, you know, how do you get butts in seats? And how, what do you do with them once they get there? And how do we deal with not enough money? And, 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 and who's really to blame for the condition of the church? And uh, was there enough blame? And is there such a thing as a perfect church? And those are the issues we talked about in part two. Today, in part three, in the conclusion, I want to give some possible suggestions to both the small and the big church. And the answer's the same. The degree might be different. The degree of the answer, the degree of the implementation, and the amount of thought that is going to have to go in to make it happen, but the answer is the same. Because the church has the same goal, whether it's the country church with 20 people or the mega church with 20,000 people. The function of the church, as far as God is concerned, is the same. So if the, if the intention and the function of the church is the same, then the answer to the problems should be the same. If you have an attendance problem in the country, and you have an attendance problem in the city, 
And, and the problem tends to be the same for the same reason. Then the answer is probably close to the same. So let's take a look and see what some of the possible answers are. Now, it, and if you don't remember what a lot of the issues were with Pastor Bob or with the American churches, go back and read the first two or listen to the first two episodes of this series and then come back and finish this one, okay? So what is the answer? We, we have, we've spent two episodes delineating the problem or the issues in the American church. And some are real, but some are self-inflicted. And the big one that in my mind that was self-inflicted is this. God expects his church and his people to be set aside for holiness. We are not supposed to be like society. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to stand for the moral high ground. We are supposed to be the arbiters of God's word. And yet, because of man's ever never-ending desire to put butts in seats and money in the plate, pastors and leaders have managed to take the church and mold it to society so society feels comfortable in church. What do I mean? When you go to church, most churches put on a show of some type, depending on their budget, depending on their size. I was watching one today out of San Antonio, Texas. I like the speaker, but all he did was put on a show and I had to turn it off. You know, it's a mega church and he had, you know, 500 people up singing great gospel music. It was great. Uh, but he had, you know, eight cameras spread around this mega church filming it. Uh, the singers were perfect. The timing was perfect. The lighting was perfect. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're teaching God's word. And then, and, and I was kind of enjoying the music, which is nothing wrong with. And then he started to pray, which is great. He opened with prayer. But the prayer that he, it was not from the heart. It was a manufactured, pre-written, pre-ordained prayer that was delivered emotionally to elicit a certain uh, response from the audience. And as soon as I picked it up, I decided, okay, I get it. He's, he's trying to put butts in seats, but the church is full. It's a mega church. He's still appealing to that cross-section of society. He's, he's reflecting society instead of changing society. The goal of the church should not be to be loved or to be a mega church or to make 
mega cash. The goal of the church should be to dispense God's word. And every time I think about this, I think about the time when in the Bible, and I don't remember the exact story, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but the temple had been destroyed and they had wandered away from God and the new king found the, the scriptures and he had everybody in Israel gather and he sat on the pulpit and he dispensed and read from God's word and he had people standing on pulpits throughout the entire kingdom reading God's word that's what church is. These people were standing outside and they stood out there for, if I remember right, they stood out there for days while the scripture was read to them with no protection, no protection from the sun, no air conditioning, no special lighting, no dancers, no professional musicians, just them and God's word, and that's the church, as God intends it to be. Remember when Jesus overturned the tables? He says, you have taken my father's house, which was intended to be a house of prayer, and turned it into a den of thieves. A house of prayer. Is your church a house of prayer? Does your church give God's unadulterated word? Let me ask you this. If you said yes to the last question, when was the last time your pastor talked about hell? When was the last time your pastor talked about homosexuality is a sin? When was the last time your pastor talked about abortion is a sin? When was the last time your pastor talked about tithing? These are all issues that are part of God's word that pastors as a general rule do not want to discuss because these are social issues that people are not interested, they're divisive. And pastors don't want to be divisive, they want to be inclusive. But what they don't understand is that the Holy Spirit thirsts for the truth to be spoken. And when the truth is spoken, God's people will come out. So what do we do? Well, let's go back to God's word like we always should, and let's take a look. The church that Jesus Christ intended is called a home church. Now, that doesn't mean you have to eliminate brick and mortar. The concepts that are in the home churches can still be done in the brick and mortar churches today. It's the same concept, you just have to put it on a little bigger scale. I have run our Bible study class 
as a New Testament church for however many years we've been in existence. Twelve, it's somewhere between 12 and 15. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't care. All I want to do is teach. But for that amount of time, there are certain things that we do. Now I'm going to run down some of them just so you can see just the loose guidelines that we go by. We physically eat together. Now you say, what is, what's the big deal? Well, in just about every society, when you sit down to eat with somebody, you are sharing. You're sharing a part of your life. You're sharing a part of uh, life because you have to eat to live. So sharing a physical meal is important. And when I do little spots for our Bible study class, I always, I always say, you can't feed a thirsty soul if the physical body is physically hungry. Feed the body and feed the spirit. And you know what? For however many years we've been meeting, and our Bible study is small, and we are all poor as church mice. But God has always managed to form a way to pay for the food. And there were several years where we met in pizza joints, and we paid retail prices. Now, the managers were nice. They were very kind. But we didn't know that going in. We just had faith that God was going to provide, and he did. So we physically eat together. Then we spiritually eat God's word together. Now, when we first started, I used to I used to teach topically, uh, and then one of the girls did class said, "Well, I've never read the Bible from beginning to end. Why don't we just do that?" And I laughed. I said, "Do you know how long that would take? It would take twenty years." And she didn't bat an eyelash. She said, "And." And I was taken back, and I was like, okay. So we started in Genesis. And, uh, you know, we're, we're about a third of the way through. That's been about five or six, seven years ago. I don't really remember. But we, we study God's Word together. Another thing that the home church did in God's... In, in, in God's word was they help each other remember when uh, the disciples were in prison and the ones that were not in prison were at somebody's house and they were praying and praying and the Holy Spirit answered the prayer and they, they got out of jail remember that and then they went and knocked on the door of the people that were praying for them that's called helping your, your people helping God's people in, in your church. We try to do that. Now, it's not always as important as somebody in prison. As an example, I got a text today from a gal uh, that was in our Bible study but doesn't come regularly now, but I'm sure she watches us on the, on the Internet. And she just sent me a thing, and she had, her hobby is... Uh, plants during the spring, summer, and fall. And she texted me and she said, hey Brian, I could use some more 
uh, potting pl uh, pots for plants. If you've got any more, uh, please give them to so-and-so and I'll pick them up. We try to help each other. When people in our class have relatives that are uh, traveling or in the hospital or have health issues, they bring their prayer requests to us. So helping each other is a key biblical point for God's church. Does your church do that? I'll never forget, I was a member of a mega church here in town and this was been about 20 years ago and my wife at the time had been going to that church for 25 years without fail tithed every sunday volunteered for bible study teaching all the time i lost my job and she wasn't working unbeknownst to me she went to the church and asked for help to to meet our bills our rent at the time was five seventy-five a month. Okay, you know what they did? They sent us a check for like a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Now, that was one hundred twenty-five dollars they didn't have to send. But this is a mega church, and a lifelong member was in trouble, and the best they could do was a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Are you kidding me right now? I lost my faith in that church. We should help one another. What do, how do I think they should have handled it? I think they should have taken up a special offering. Not just for us, but for all of the congregants who are unemployed and in a tough time. Let's set up a special fund for them. Let's make arrangements so that they can go to the food pantry and the clothing pantry. And let's, let's contact the city and see if we can do something about their utilities. That's what helping people is about. Cutting a $125 check for somebody who asked for $575 is a slap in the face in my opinion. But whatever. But the home church is to help each other out. We do a community project every year and have for years. You know, we helped unwed mothers one year. We helped a couple of churches get off the ground a couple of years. Uh, we help missionaries. Um, this year what we're doing is we're collecting, uh, and we did this before, we collected enough money to send somebody to Bible school, which we did. Uh, and they have gone on and have done great, great things. And we're collecting money now to send somebody else to Bible school at some time in the future. Now, one of the things that we have added is we videotape our Bible study class and we put it out there every week, which is, which is when you think about it, it's quite intimidating to have thousands of people watch your video over the period of time, nitpicking it to death, trying to decide if you're from God or not. That's a hard thing, but we do that. And why do we do that? Because God's word says that God's word will not return void, and we want to do that. We want to give God's word, and we want to be around to watch it come back. The 
The name of our ministry is called Prayer Box Ministry. Now, what do we do as part of our home church activities, which is a lot of churches don't do? We pray together. So let me go over the list real quick about the things that your home church should and could be doing. And if they did all of these things, a lot of the other issues would take care of themselves and the Holy Spirit would have something to work with. Now, can I guarantee that your numbers are going to go up? No, they'll probably go down. Can I guarantee that the money's going to go up? No, it's probably going to go down. But what's more important? The Holy Spirit will see to it that you have what you need and not have what you want. Let's go down the list. We physically feed the body. We spiritually feed the spirit. We help each other. We do a community project. We do ministry together every year. We share our class with as many people as want to watch it on the internet. And God has been very good about that. And lastly, we pray together. Write these things down if your church is not doing these big or small and take them to the pastor and insist that the ones that are not being done be done because that's the only way that, that some of the issues with today's church is going to be solved if you sitting in the pew come forward and say we're not where we need to be let's get to where we should be let's pray heavenly father you are an awesome awesome god i want to give you thanks and praise and glory for everything lord i pray that the words of this program will be blessed and as your word says it never returns void lord we send this out and we pray that we get to see when it comes back and it not be void. You're an awesome God, Lord, and we want to thank you for all of our blessings, not just in the ministry, but individually and spiritually and in every way possible. Even the ones we don't know about, we thank you for all of our blessings, individually and corporately. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a couple of announcements. If you'd like to know a little bit more about who we are and what we do, you can find us online at prayerboxministry.org. That's O-R-G dot org. We'd like to say you can go over there seven days a week and do something different every day and never repeat yourself if you go there for seven years. There's a lot to do over there. Go over there and check us out, prayerboxministry.org. Also... We're being streamed on iTunes. So if you use iTunes, go to iTunes Podcast and look us up, Right Wing Reverend. iTunes Podcast, Right Wing Reverend. Well, that's a program, everyone. You have a blessed week. I look forward to our next program. My name is Reverend Brian, and I am the Right Wing Reverend.